10 episodes? You think anyone watches this shit? <laughs> According to stats, we have maybe three regular viewers. <laughs> well, three regular viewers on the podcast stuff. On the on the YouTube stuff, we do have seven subscribers. So where's the other four? They subscribe to the channel. You think they want to watch it? I wonder if they're the same people. Maybe not. Hmm. Okay, now I'm going to get into character because I didn't help you roll into it. <laughs> I, th I thought you were just talking. <laughs> no, I, I'm just... I didn't help you <laughs> improv into it. <laughs> They probably got something better to do, Jerry. <laughs> What's better to do than listen to our podcast, Jerry? Podcast? Have you been recording this whole time? What? No, just when we do the podcast. I think you've been recording this whole time. You know, that's a breach of privacy, Jerry. Yeah, yeah, I've been recording the entire time. Well, let's hear it. What is it that you recorded? Did you not get the joke? The joke? You were recording my jokes? Oh, forget it, forget it. Forget it? How could I remember? <laughs> you didn't give me a Jerry, to we got a about. show to do. A show? Oh, you're right. I gotta be at the club at eight. You gotta be at the club now. Now? Oh, my watch now. is five minutes behind. I mean, ahead. Ah. You should have listened to future Jerry. Make sure to wind your watch. Oh, give my regards to the princess. <laughs> princess jerry you'll see dude <laughs> and remember be excellent to each other and party on dude what are you doing jerry what are we doing here i don't know jerry uh i just i just sort of wandered in i was eating breakfast and uh i just thought i'd pop in for a snack a snack a snack jerry we got a show to do a show? Where's your meats? <laughs> you know, the the show we've been doing every week for the past ten weeks? This is our tenth episode anniversary. Did you forget? Ten? I don't believe it. That's way too long. Too long? It was your idea! <laughs> it was our idea, Jerry. It was our idea. We're both Jerry. We're both Jerry. Jerry? Yeah, Jerry? Oh, what's the matter? Cat got your tongue? I don't own a cat, but if I did, I certainly wouldn't want it anywhere near my tongue. What a preposterous question. I told you you shouldn't keep recording all the time, Jerry. And look, look. What, what, look at what? You see the consequences? Consequences? What do you mean? I'm, I'm, I'm here. Consequences? I'm here, you're here. What consequences? You know, I never really uh, thought about it. <laughs> Well, that tells you, George, you have to think before you speak. Follow your instincts. Think before I stink? What are you trying to say? You've got to stink before you go off to the clink. You don't want any of those fellas in there messing with you. You got to make sure you smell real bad. George? Whatever. Let's just open the show. I, I thought we were both going to be Jerry. <laughs> when did George get here? What? You, you want me to be Jerry? Oh, there you are, Jerry. Wait, I thought I was Jerry. Oh, I knew it, Jerry. I knew it. You're here to embarrass me. Just like always. I'm always the butt of your jokes, you know? No, never. No, it's true. It's true. You try to deny it, but it's true. I'm just here. Funny bald guy. Right? You said bald. 
Name me one time. You said bald first. Name me one right time. Right now, you brought it up. I didn't bring it up. George, are, are you out of your mind? Out of my mind. Now he's accusing me of being crazy. Like I'm a crazy person. Oh my god. god now you've got to bring religious into this? Am I, am I a sinner? Am I a sinner now, Jerry? Get a grip, man. I know, I know. I've been kind of stressed out lately. I'm sorry, Jerry. I'm sorry. Forget I said anything. Forget I said anything. Let's just enjoy our, our, our podcast. <laughs> Does that say him? Jerry, Jerry, have you seen my shaved cat? What? I found it wandering around Chinatown. I brought it home. It's not there. Have you seen it? Yeah, once. <laughs> I, I, I need it. I need it for an investing opportunity, Jerry. It's pink. It's shaved. Uh, I need you to show me. George, I saw it one time. I'm Kramer now. <laughs> oh. You know, over the phone, it's hard to tell who's talking. Whatever could you be, Jerry? <laughs> Am I going crazy? How is it hard to tell who's talking? What? You, you make it sound like we're the same person. <laughs> hey, hey, Jerry, put George back on the phone. Okay. It's my apartment, but I guess everyone else has phone privileges now. <clears throat> you really have to burp in my face. Jerry. <laughs> I thought I was burping no to myself. No respect, Jerry. No respect. This is what I've been talking about. Are you replacing me for a new Jerry? That's it. I'm replacing you with a new Jerry. Your, your words, not mine. You brought this on yourself. Jerry number two. I'm going to call you Jerry number George, two from now on. George, consider our friendship over. Now, Jerry. Jerry. Without you, I'm just a sad old man. <laughs> not only that, George. This means war. Oh, Jerry. Don't go talking like that. You know my, your army stand no chance against my forces. We will defend Costanzaville to the last man. What army? Oh god, he remembers everything. <laughs> we won't stand a chance. Your time has come, George. Elaine, he's reaching power levels we haven't seen in years. <laughs> you have no idea what you've awakened! All those years of letting him belittle me just so he couldn't remember his strength. All for nothing. <laughs> Right at the last moment. Now, George, you perish. Uh, now my skin's melting off my fingers. Of course. Of course. I had to make it slow and painful. It always turns out like this. Every reincarnation, it always turns out like this. Jerry always has to get his way. <laughs> That's the way of the universe. The way of the universe? I am the universe, George. Jerry. Jerry. And you have awakened death within my soul. Now I'm stuck with this guy. He's dumber than a bag of bricks. Jerry, I'm dumber than a bag of bricks. And nobody bags bricks. <laughs> Jerry, I'm dumber than a bag of bricks and nobody bags bricks anymore. How about that? George, how do you hear me in my inner thoughts? Man, sometimes we're so close, Jerry, I feel like I can hear you in your inner thoughts. No, 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 no. Who are you? And what have you done with George? I am the beginning and the end. We'll see about that, buddy. Oh, oh no, this is Jerry Seinfeld's head. <laughs> I've made a terrible mistake. I'm sorry, Seinfeld. It was the last mistake you'll ever make. <laughs> Jerry, the guy at the hot dog stand didn't give me mustard. I think he hates me. Mustard every day and not today. Uh, What's the deal? You were at the hot dog Down stand. Down the street, the same one as every day. No mustard today. You didn't get abducted by a 
multi-dimensional whatever. Jerry, are you sick? You know, stuff like that is what makes me feel concerned, Jerry. I'm talking about mustard. You're talking about interdimensional oh. demons. Oh, forget it. Forget it? How can I forget it? Forget You said demons. Demons, Jerry. Demons. You had to be there. <laughs> I think you had to be there might be the worst thing a comedian could say. <laughs> Yeah, but he could say it to George in a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Intermediate Podcast, where we become Seinfeld. Where we may or may not have had a very, very extended intro, depending on how much of that we use. <laughs> If you know anyone who got burned out by that, just, uh... Send a complaint message to my Instagram. Yeah, I think we can put in the podcast what time the podcast starts. So, this week we watched the first season of Seinfeld. I, I keep wanting to go back to the voice. <laughs> but yeah, five episodes. Five episodes, Jerry. Seinfeld. <laughs> How can you call that a season? Uh, man, that first episode was pretty lo-fi, huh? You, like, you could tell the production values were different before they were syndicated. Yeah, I, I noticed that with the camera. Camera, camera quality, lighting. Like, just like the really... Yeah, like, it, it just looked really... Everything looked really grainy. Pilots are interesting. Yeah, this is good, right? <laughs> and they're like, oh, I love it. Let's Let's get more of that. Eight more seasons, Jerry. Eight more seasons. So, what what exactly is the purpose of a pilot? Is is that it's to sell like your show. a is that like a test yeah, run? So you have to produce a, an episode. You, a group, a producer, like whoever it is, someone on their own accord has to produce the pilot episode, and then you shop that around to different networks, different companies. Like, hey, would you pay for more episodes of this? Okay. Yeah, like uh, the the pilot episode, the Twin Peaks. That's a feature length episode of tv and i think david lynch said before that he considers that a good self-enclosed short film uh but the rest of the show of course exists and season one's excellent of that uh but yeah the pilot is like kind of standalone ish i mean there's got to be room for more episodes but you know you make the pilot to show this is good right and you have to find the right person to say, yeah, that's good. And it was probably a lot more difficult back in the 80s and 90s because, you know, uh, access to that equipment, uh, access to the studios that would be producing TV shows, whereas now there's a lot of online streaming and the equipment's a lot easier to come by. Now, let's say a studio picks up a property and then they want to make something out of that. Do they need to, like, does there need to be a pilot for that? Probably not. They probably already, if the IP is already established, then, you know, they could just start. When I was working on, on Sneaky Pete season three, I knew someone who, while we were working there, she was developing a pilot to shop around to some series. So in situations like that, where someone has an idea for a show, man, I've got some hiccups. Uh, then you need to prove that you could do it, prove that it'll be of a certain quality. There was a lot of, uh, on her set, there was a lot of 
money spent. I don't want to diminish how much it costs to self-produce an episode of TV. But there was also a lot of volunteers like, you know, we have a certain amount of money in the budget and we're hoping that this becomes a job for all of us. But episode one of Seinfeld was pretty lo-fi compared to the other ones. It's funny using the word lo-fi <laughs> to describe Seinfeld. But th that fits it even down to the to the comedy of the show. Like a, a lot of it is just situational comedy. Sitcom. And it's funny how this first season... Oh shit, that's what sitcom stands for. You get characters, you put them in Whoa. different situations. You learn something new. I had no idea that's what sitcom mm -hmm. stands for. And this first season's pretty tight because I think that even now it's funny just because everything they deal with is just a little universal. Like in the first episode, Jerry's trying to read a woman's signals. And, you know, in the whole game of dating, it's still pretty relatable. It's pretty funny. Yeah, there was nothing uh, that dates the show too much. Mm -hmm. uh, the Office has had a big impact on humor now. And Seinfeld, I could still see a bunch of stuff about this having rippling effects on humor as a whole. Like, it's very sarcastic, you know? That's, that's in style now. Back then, it was a little more on edge. But now it's in style. Yeah, like, to, to such a great extent that it was in Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. And that's usually what Seinfeld is hailed as, the anti-sitcom. Because uh, in a lot of traditional sitcoms, you know, you'll have an A story introduced, then a B story. And then, like, in the second half of the episode, sometime the B story gets resolved, and then at the end, the A story gets resolved. Like, it's very clean writing. Because, you know, it's a style that you're supposed to be able to plug in a bunch of different situations in. So, Seinfeld... The funny thing Seinfeld does with writing is that it'll introduce an A story, a B story, maybe even sometimes a C story, but often maybe one of them or none of them get resolved. And so because of that, it's a very, it's always been called a very irreverent kind of show because it just quote unquote doesn't care. <laughs> like life goes on. They don't, like, try super hard to do some, like, over-the-top story like you would see in shows Big Bang or Malcolm in the Middle or other sitcoms, you know? Like, the, the stories are all very, very tame. It's not very over-the-top, yeah. Maybe the later seasons do, but this first season's definitely pretty low-key. Oh, and, like, just to add, when I was saying the unresolved storylines, uh, like, in, in a lot of situations... That would usually be bad, but in Seinfeld, it always leads to a punchline. So it, it works. Even if they don't resolve the story, it, it's a joke. <laughs> so it's funny. Like, and I'm, I'm thinking of like Kramer's pizzeria idea. <laughs> like that, that doesn't go anywhere, but they just bring it up a bunch of times and it, it's funny. It, it's just people being people. You know, that's what, that's what they show. People are complaining. They, they have their own interests. They like their friends. It's all very relatable. Yeah. Uh, the second episode, he was trying to flirt around his ex-girlfriend. So that was kind of uh, uncomfortable and funny. I guess that, that's something I wanted to touch on a little more. That The Office, and I'm just drawing a comparison between Seinfeld and The Office just because they both had a big impact on TV. The Office is described as having a lot of cringe humor where you see characters getting into uncomfortable situations. And you could definitely see a lot of that in Seinfeld too. Uh, 
like you brought up the scene where him and Vanessa are on vacation and it's not going well. And when Jerry said, like, what what perfume is that? I, I felt cringe, like, ugh. <laughs> not not in a bad way, just the show wanted me to. So I, I found this fan theory um that was uh someone posted on Reddit four years ago, but uh apparently it's been around longer. Mm-hmm. And this theory about Seinfeld is that the reason uh, everybody is filling each other in on expo dumps is because Jerry uh, is a comedian. He's on the road. He always has to go, you know, he always has to go out of town and come back mm-hmm. to his apartment. Like the, the life of a, of a stand-up comedian who goes on the road is like, you know, sometimes you're on the road for, for weeks at a time. Uh, and then his friends like all know when he's back. So they all, huddle up in his apartment and fill him in on what's going on in their life. That's pretty good. I thought you were going to say something about Jerry being an interdimensional demon. No, that's we'll save that for another that's time. Us, that, <laughs> that's usually what I think of whenever I hear fan theory. Like, oh, what if they were all dead the whole time and the apartment is purgatory? Because it's like, it's like Kramer is all of Jerry's failed ambitions. George is all of Jerry's insecurities. Elaine is all of his failures with women and Jerry's just trapped here day in and day out. I wonder why they never did a B movie too. They could still do it. B movie yeah, came not? out in 2007. So uh, I think 2024, 2024, around 2024 to 2026, I'll predict a B movie too to come out. It could be 2023, but I'm going to guess 2024. I'm going to guess the peak rise of the nostalgia for B-Movie will be around 2024, 17 years later. No, I think it's gone already. I think peak nostalgia came with the memes. That's a sound argument. But I think that Hollywood and big business at large is very slow. And so because of that, I think big business is going to catch up 2024. What about that uh, B movie? <laughs> uh, remember seven years ago when there were memes about B movie? Yeah, now's the time to strike. <laughs> you like jazz? <coughs> it gets me every and time. In the trailer? Oh, what, jazz? I love that stuff. <laughs> How did you know I like jazz? Everyone made fun of me for liking B-Movie, but now I'm the head producer at the studio. Man, and then the kids that watch B-Movie 2 are only going to know the memes. They're going to be nostalgic for the memes and watch B-Movie 2 because of that. That's interesting. I think 10 years from now, nobody will remember B-Movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that when our generation gets to a point where we're not cool anymore, then that's going to be the case. That's already the case. Are the Zoomers already taken over? I mean, we're we're like in between... We're in between Millennial and Gen Z, yeah. Gen Z kids, like, th- there's a lot of Millennials where they're like, oh, why do you like that? <laughs> I, I know from talking to my little sister and, and my little brother that, you know, th- there's some people from the generation... Of, before them that they're just like why are you like this yeah like the generational gap they've got their own culture going already so i saw a meme 
on Instagram. I saw a joke on Instagram, a joke picture with text on it. And it was something that said, I don't even remember what the picture was. Okay, I remember very specifically what the picture is now. So it was a Zoomer meme. It was a Gen Z meme that said how millennials see themselves when they put X, lowercase x, uppercase x, lowercase x in front of their usernames. And it was a picture of someone like with sunglasses trying to look cool. And I was like, man, that's Gen Z calling millennials old. <laughs> like that XXX, that's a millennial thing. That's not a Gen Z thing. And that's funny to point out. I mean, I, I, I think it's kind of cringy too. Well, yeah, I never did that. I, I agree with the sentiment. But it's just funny seeing that sentiment with a bunch of likes on an Instagram page of, by the way, if that's where your username is, uh, I'm sure you're you're a nice person, and that doesn't uh, reflect on your personality. But the the, the name is kind of cringe. If that's your username, you should change it. <laughs> nah, it doesn't doesn't bother me. Leave a comment. I want to see. I wonder why there were never any Seinfeld video games. Being Jerry Seinfeld is a power fantasy. I have to tell you why. I've got some wild energy built up inside of me because i didn't even realize i've had the seinfeld intro music on loop for the last hour (laughs) 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 so i'm feeling a special kind of wild right now (laughs) you know comedy comedy has a rhythm to it comedy has a rhythm to it and the seinfeld theme sounds so kind of nasty and weird so and you know what that's something about comedy too comedy is often about uh making light of negative yeah aspects and and the song is made to be ugly and it's funny because of that you know a couple months ago i don't know why you and i just started doing seinfeld accents to each other but when we started doing that i started getting a bunch of seinfeld clips recommended to me on youtube they're listening that's crazy right like, doesn't that freak you out? So, two sides to that. One, maybe it is really creepy. Two, maybe my brain is just looking for Seinfeld since we've been talking about Seinfeld. So maybe I just make that connection. But then the creepy thing is you just can't know. I've definitely had advertisements put my way where I've talked about something and, like, I didn't Google it or anything. Yeah, the advertisements thing, that bugs me. I'm talking YouTube recommendations, but I don't know if YouTube's listening. Have you seen his comedy specials? Because I haven't seen a ton of his comedy specials. His comedy doesn't tickle me. Really? You just like his voice? Yeah. His co- his comedy, to me, it's like... It's almost like anti-comedy. I like it. Because, <laughs> like, my my funny bone is things that are, like, messed up. <laughs> like, like, like a lot of people, you know? So something that shocks you into reacting. I, I I like I, I like I, I don't know just his how, what how can I describe Jerry Seinfeld's performance on stage? It's uh okay I want to say he doesn't really get into it when he's doing it but it's kind of more that part of his act is him being Jerry Seinfeld if that makes sense. Yeah, part of his act is uh, that that stage presence is like oh my god life am I right guys? I, I'll watch it but. I don't I don't think I've seen a special all the way through. I haven't either, but I've wanted to. I've seen a lot of clips of jokes because those get posted online a lot. So I've seen those. 
like i i don't know seinfeld doesn't give me that kind of like seinfeld the man not the show now yeah yeah um his his comedy doesn't pull laughs out of me you know it's more of a chuckle thing but when i watch comedy i like to i like to laugh so hard that i start tearing up so like uh, jerry doesn't really do that for me i i like uh gabriel iglesias i like joey diaz ari shafir love gabriel iglesias i went to a live show of his once really cool i know at the staples center staples center a couple years ago that's crazy that a that a comedian did a did a stage as big as the Staples Center. Selling out the Staples Center. That's awesome. Yeah. Didn't Kevin Hart also do the Staples Center? No idea. No idea. I haven't seen a Kevin Hart special in a long time. I thought my fa- me and my family thought that Kevin Hart was one of the funniest things when I was younger, I remember, but I haven't thought about Kevin Hart in a while. You know how I think about Kevin Hart sometimes? What? With that Zoom Old Spice commercial. That's recent, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I don't think I've seen it. I just think you shouldn't be stealing my stuff. Like, he just yells off the screen. (laughs) Like, I love Old Spice, but the problem is that sometimes your wife will come and take it because it smells so good. And I think it's wrong that I can't have my own stuff. And he just, like, yells off screen. He, He, he's like a loud... Seinfeld, but not as funny as Seinfeld. Uh, I, I like I like his whole bit where he's like uh, agitated, agitated. I'm agitated. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Kevin Hart's definitely had some good comedy. I, I don't know. I, I think I'm just not into his flavor anymore. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm just not into into their flavors. I guess that Seinfeld's thing too. Agitated. I show up and I'm agitated. <laughs> this thing happened and I couldn't believe it. Like, I, I think for my comedy, I like when somebody can, like, bring you along on a story or, like, bring you along into into some ideas. Man, I, I'm excited for however long from now comedy clubs start opening up because I've, I've been to live stand-up only one time in my life, and it was Me amazing. Me too, with you. Yeah. No, actually, two. Gabriel Iglesias and Joe Rogan. Yeah, seeing, seeing Rogan live was cool. Yeah, that was a really good venue. The the other comics were were funny too. Um, it's, it's kind of a shame I don't remember their names. <laughs> they gave us a good night. Cause like literally, literally the name of the of the show that night was Joe Rogan and Friends. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, did you did you know that Rogan wants to open a comedy club in Texas? That's cool. You want to move to Texas? Yeah. Uh, I'm holding out for the for the real estate market in Los Angeles to drop. You know, I, this is something I've thought about a lot. I think I've talked to you before, but I think saying it on the show is cool too, that I think comedians are sometimes a lot like modern day philosophers, just because they stand up on stages, they speak their minds, talk about life. And if people don't like what they have to say, then they boo them off and don't want to listen. But if they present it in a way that's engaging to people, then, you know, they'll be like, oh yeah, that makes you think. (laughs) Yeah, and something um, Rogan says about comedy, which which I think also applies to philosophy, is when when this person is talking, you you kind of in some way allow them to think for you. You know, it's like you're seeing things from their perspective. Mm-hmm. But comedians and philosophers are both really good at that. Yeah, it's funny how comedy changes over time. So I mean, throughout history, some of the um, first 
people to be uh looked after by like uh dictator regimes is comedians because they yeah they they, they filter things from a different perspective they have a different perspective on life that they share with the audience yeah and those people in power don't want to be diminutized in any way yeah you like that word i made up diminutized <laughs> uh did you make it up i know what it means i mean because it sounds like diminutive so wait say the word again diminutize <laughs> yeah demonetized <laughs> D- dominionism they don't want anyone to diminish their uh position of power that that would be the correct way to say it. Okay, so it's dominionism. <laughs> that sounds like owning a castle or something. So, something I really appreciate about com- uh, comedians is that by by poking fun at things that they talk about, they they take away the seriousness. And I think a lot of the time, when seriousness is taken away from something, it's easier to think about. And then there's some comedians that are able to just get really real, like George Carlin and Dave Chappelle. Yeah. That's a very special kind of performer right there. Dave Chappelle's specials. Very good. Yeah, Chappelle's really good. Um, And he's also excellent as a speaker. Well, I don't know his whole story. I just know he made a bunch of jokes and references about him disappearing for many years. So it sounds like he went through a lot of growth in that time. And I think it's hard for those people in the public eye to take time to themselves. So good for him because he obviously did grow a lot. It's good that he didn't let fame consume him. Yeah. It's got to be a hard decision to make for someone too when everyone's like, oh, you're so lucky. You're so famous or whatever. And to turn around. But, you know, he knew what he needed. So respect. I remember in middle school, like me and some of my friends have seen Chappelle show. We were talking about it, and and one kid was like, "Yeah, he disappeared. Supposedly he's in South Africa." And I was like, "Whoa!" You know, like it, there was some mystery to it as well. That does sound kind of cool as a story for kids to share. Like, oh yeah, he he was doing all this stuff and he vanished. When the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years later, in South Africa. <laughs> yeah comedy is a whole beast whole art form you gotta i mean just like any kind of storytelling art form media it's you know the the challenge is you got to make people care that's the challenge that's the difficult part and some people stand up there and they're like oh other people suck laugh track or they're like oh man you know i suck sometimes laugh track there's there's a not a formula, but there's a something they have to figure out to be able to be successful with that. The goal before making people care is making people laugh. Um, because a, a bad comedian is an excruciating experience to go through. Well, not make people care as in people have their heart out on their sleeve, but... Because I, I think in general, people do care about... If, if people didn't care about comedy, they wouldn't be as upset as they are when somebody bombs on stage getting pelted with tomatoes and such yeah like people do people want to care but the reason they're there is to laugh you know so so that's the thing you gotta go for you suck 
Get off the stage! I really like that joke in Chappelle's special when he said, Oh, I was bombing. So, uh, what'd I do? No, I didn't walk off. I stayed. <laughs> like they, they were booing me, and I, I stayed on stage. He said something like that in his special. And yeah, that takes that takes guts. <laughs> like these, This room of people don't want you here anymore, but just sticking it out. In high school, I, I, I was really into stand-up. Um, I would listen to a lot of specials. And uh, do you remember Mr. El Camino? Uh, very vaguely, yeah. Like, you vote for a hot guy. Yeah, so our high school had a male beauty pageant called uh, Mr. El Camino. And I auditioned to be in the pageant. Weiss being the lady killer that he is. You have to bring something creative with you, and I thought, oh, I'm not gonna draw in front of them. That's boring. Of like, because I've done that once before as a kid, and I just think it's not an interesting experience for someone to, you know, draw on a stage. So, uh, I was really into stand up, and I thought, oh, okay, I'm gonna write something, and I, I wrote something. I read it to all my friends, and they all like really thought it was funny. Yeah, like, I thought it was funny, other people thought it was funny, so I went to the audition, I recited that thing really confidently to a cold room, Ooh. and, like, one one girl who, like, one of the judges laughed. <laughs> just one? But everyone else, yeah, just one, everyone else Man, was that's silent. that's sad. Well, because I think, I think the audience there, they're not going there for a show, they're going there to see guys take their shirts off. <laughs> Some people just don't like incest jokes, you know? <laughs> oh. <laughs> jokes about incest and suicide. Oh. <laughs> but, it, like, okay, like, I don't, have a, I don't have a transcript of what I wrote. Otherwise, I would, I would recite it right now. But j just because, like, that's the comedy I'm into, you know? I like, I like Louis C.K. I like Joe Rogan. I like people who can joke about fucked up stuff. So... That's that's what I tried to do, and I think I did something funny, but uh, not the right room. Yeah, because when you're performing, when you're trying to be funny in front of people with a performance, th there's like your heart is just pounding in your chest, and that pounding is usually, uh, or what you're aiming for is for that pounding to to dissipate with the laughter of of the crowd. You know, because then you know you're actually doing it. Yeah, it eases it. up the tension, lets out some of the pressure. And and when you don't get that, you know, you, like you just gotta you just gotta keep marching through, and then at the end, just like, oh, that was terrible. Oh, that's why humor is so important in movies and TV. Like, no matter what kind of story it is, you gotta ease off some of the pressure because then it's just a little miserable. You know, like Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad's a very dramatic show, but the care. But it has a lot, it of, has funny a lot moments. of funny moments. Like that really famous scene where uh, he's getting kicked out of his house and he throws pizza onto the ceiling. <laughs> you seen that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a lot of funny stuff that happens. Uh, and it just eases off some of the pressure. And it makes it makes the characters more well-rounded too. Because it's like, okay, they're not... Yeah, just, they're not, they're just, not serious all the time. Yeah, they're not just so dedicated to their their calling or whatever they're also gonna have some fun yeah like walter wants to be a baller and he and he buys some really expensive cars for him and his son you know i think that for that reason i think it's difficult to make a villain humorous because they've got to be tough 
you got to take them seriously. But sometimes funny villains are really good, you know. I, I guess I guess that that just comes with a balancing act of lighting up the mood, but making sure the stakes are still there. Doctor Eggman in Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> you talking about Sonic Boom or just in the games in general? I'm talking about Jim Carrey, Doctor Robotnik. <laughs> he's he's actually a funny villain. He has some good jokes. I think he's a bit much Jim Carrey and not a lot of Eggman. Yeah, but he, he becomes that. I mean, they put him in the costume at the end. Hey, you want to watch Sonic for the next episode? Sure. Sonic the Hedgehog. Hell yeah. Yeah, I think now's a good time to start winding down. Whoa. I see cracks in my ceiling. It's also a good time for Weiss's ceiling to start winding down. Don't say that. <laughs> I think it needs to wind back up. <laughs> so thanks for tuning in this week for the Intermediate Podcast. I'll have links to our pages in the description. Thank you, Swoon, for providing the intro and outro music for the podcast. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel and follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify because we'll be updating every Saturday. Until next week, we'll see you. Goodbye, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs>